Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. doing this hey tim hi hello baby what is up oh Podcast welcome to world. amongst friends i i i'm sean and uh i i, I want to i want to introduce everyone to uh to one to one of my new best friends uh a co-worker a colleague uh chef tim dickerson tim tim hello How's welcome going, everybody thank you sean for having me on i appreciate it I'm actually a big fan on a side note. I love, I've listened to all your episodes, so big fan. <laughs> hey, I love that. I, I don't get to talk to a lot of people that have actually listened to any of my things. So um, I, again, that's that's kind of boosting my ego a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to tone it back down a little bit before I get away and get ahead of myself. Uh, uh, Chef Tim, I, I work with you. Um, at what I believe is a extremely successful restaurant. Uh, I, I, I watch you in the kitchen. I, I hear your words. I see your energy. Uh, I immediately uh, thought I had a connection with you, not to get too, too personal, no, too, too, too deep, too quickly. But I instantly saw who you were, how, how you, you know, held yourself together. And uh, I, 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 was, I, I, I love you, buddy. Uh, I am... I'm, I'm in love with you a little bit. <laughs> uh, so here at, at Amongst Friends, uh, we we kind of we're kind of like chicken noodle soup for the soul, but with a new kind of twist. Uh, we we dive into topics that I don't think are actually uh, talked about enough, or, or spoken about enough, or communicated enough uh, between people in our age group and uh, or men in particular, or or, or hopefully soon more women in particular. And uh, I, I, I brought you on today because I wanted to talk to you about a topic that I've been wanting to talk about for months now. And I was, I was picking through people of you know all my contacts of who I think would be the best one to have. And today's episode, today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, is about fake it till you make it, till you make it, fake it till you make it, which... I'm sure we've all heard at some point in our lives, and either that's that's advice you can take uh, positively or or you know, uh, throw over your shoulder and then say fuck that, that's dumb. But today I kind of want to dive into a couple uh, of the fake it till you make it strategies or or ideas or fallacies that it can bring. So without further ado, I'm gonna jump into it. Tim, I got a, uh, I got one of my favorite listicles here that I've read at least by far this month. And it's only the 20th, but hell, maybe I could find something else. I don't know. We're almost through it. We're almost through the month. So I, I, I am actually surprised at how quickly this month went by compared to other months. And I think it's because I actually have money in my bank account. <laughs> now that I have money, it's like time is flying and it's just bills after bills after bills. When you don't have money, it's like you're every second you're alive. It's like, how am I going to yeah. afford the next second? Yeah. So it's funny. So uh, 
Uh, July, <laughs> July has, has flown by. Uh, so let's jump into it. My first uh, listicle is from Mental Floss. Uh, they uh, have a very successful uh, uh, web uh, page, web blog series. I, I see them on YouTube all the time. I don't know how, this is article from 2016, so I'm not sure how relevant it is in, in, their, in their world, but I read it and I agree with it. So it's eight fake it till you make it strategies backed by science. And when you put that word science in there, it's like, it has to be true. <laughs> yeah, of course. So let's jump into it. Number one, and this is one that I, I have experienced on a personal level. One, say cheese. Scientists have found that if you want to lift your mood, you should force yourself to smile. A 2012 study published by the Journal of Psychological Science trained 169 university students to hold chopsticks in their mouths in order to force a particular facial expression. One neutral, one standard smile, and one genuine smile, which engages the eye muscles as well as the mouth muscles. Once the participants had learned the correct expression, they were given stressful multi, multi, multitasking activities to complete, such as tracing a star with their non-dominant hand while looking at reflections and blah, 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 blah. The point is, when you fake a smile, can it make a real smile? How Have you ever found yourself where you, you kind of push it out and before you realize it, it's, it's, it's a real thing? It's, it's really happening? Has that ever happened to you? So for me, it's funny you bring that up. So like I despise my picture being taken. <laughs> I fucking hate it. I think it's fucking stupid and I hate it. So when people always are like, hey, smile for this or whatever, like I had a picture for the paper and the only way I could smile and it felt like real was I, I did like a fake smile and then I thought about how stupid I looked <laughs> with my fake smile and then I generally smiled. <laughs> so I do think there's some truth to that. I also think that there's some bullshit to it because you can act happy. You can smile and yeah. like, shit is just going. Like I can smile when we're in the weeds at work and I'm not <laughs> happy and it's not going to change my mood. <laughs> Everything is fucked. Um, there, I think there's a 50, 50 truth to a truth and a lie in that, in that statement. No. Uh, so the science is back that uh, by, by smiling, you are actually lowering your heart rate and performing the tasks which you are doing uh, much more clear-headed and, and better. Uh, smiling, is it starts releasing endorphins in your brain, which uh, I, I guess releases a dopamine, the feel-good pleasure center. And before you know it, you're actually, you, you, you can start to feel better. Uh, I, I've, I've experienced contagious laughing when someone has kind of laughed around me and I didn't hear anything, but just the hearing them give that real genuine chuckle makes me chuckle. And yes. so I do see a little bit of the, of the fake and a smile to make it smile, but you know, you just said it. I see a hundred fake smiles a day. And when it comes from somebody who's like, say in the, in the, 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 the retail business or, or, uh, uh, restaurant business to get someone give you a fake smile on both ends the the receiving end and the giving end is is kind of weird so when it comes out a genuine i feel like then there's actually a connection and then there's actually uh i want to say a quick bonding experience but you know for yes or it's a bonding for experience. sure 
So I, I, I do agree. I, I think there, there, is a, there is a way you can, you can kind of fake the smile to get the real smile, but the real oh. smile takes the fucking, takes it all the way. Yes. Uh, so we went to the second one. And this one I think is really important because uh, as we're going to get into uh, how you do this, I think can affect you uh, tremendously down the line. Number two is strike a powerful pose. Now, there was a time in my life where I was constantly kind of hunched over. I, I, I didn't walk up straight. I was, I was constantly looking at my, my phone or, or at my feet as I, as I walked through the schools or as I walked through the halls of, of a shopping establishment or, or, or any place I've worked. And through hearing it from not, not only my father, stand the fuck up straight or, you know, hold your shoulders back. I started to, to slowly do it. I just started like uncomfortably stand in weird positions. And going into what the article says, in her much publicized 2012 TED Talk, Amy Cuddy, a Harvard Business School social psychologist, shared her findings that adopting a powerful posture can affect your body chemistry. In her study, she had subjects adopt either a powerful stance with their chest and head lifted and arms propped to their hips or a meek or pose hunched over with their arms crossed for two minutes. The people who maintained a powerful pose showed a decrease in stress hormone cortisol and an increase in testosterone, a hormone related to the dominance and confidence. Now you're a chef, how do you hold yourself? Uh, I, I mean, I, I do, I agree with that a hundred percent. First of all, um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a part of you that like, if your coat's on nice, you're ironed, right. You know, you have no stains on you. You got your shoes nice and you walk into a kitchen and you walk in and you're like, my guys will look at me and like, it's the, for everything. Like I can tell if my cook's ready for service by how he sits, how he's prepping. If you're hunched over and you're just kind of leaning and you're like picking nerves, but if you're up and you're like, you got your shoulders back and you got your feet planted right and you're you're going like I'm like, oh, he's ready, he's ready for service. Fuck you're yeah. ready, like you're ready. You're fucking your dick is hard and you're like, I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's fucking go time. We're ready. But if you're hunched over and you're like, you got like kind of like the sad dog look, I say, you know, like you know, look 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 like you're ready to be here and like. You know, even if you're scared as shit, you know, I used to fight just to box and I've been in a couple fights and like, you can, you can win a fight by not being the biggest guy. But if you look like you're like, I'm ready to fuck you up. Yeah, yeah. Like people are like, I don't care how big you are. You're like, this dude's kind of fucking scary. <laughs> like, you could be, you could be a hundred pounds, but if you look like you're like, oh, I'm ready to go. The guy that's about to fight you is like, you can, or your body language says everything. So no, I 100% agree that you can like, you can build your confidence just by, you know, if, even dressing. Like, you know, I, I tell everyone like you dress, like dress, like dress what makes you feel comfortable, makes you what makes you feel sexy. And like, if that's blue jeans and a white t-shirt, which is my go-to look, I fucking, <laughs> I put on a white t-shirt and blue jeans and cowboy boots and I'm like, fuck yeah, I look good. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to hell own yeah. this. And like hell yeah. going into an interview, like going into a job or in life in general, even if you talk to a girl at a bar, if you're like kind of like hunched over and shy, she's not really into you. But if you come up there and you got your shoulders back and you're peacock, peacock man, you got a peacock, peacock. <laughs> you got a peacock and like, yeah. And it, it changes your whole attitude mm -hmm. of how you see yourself. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 100%. Dog. 
going back to what I said uh, before I jumped into that um, is, you know, how I used to hold myself in high school and how that transitioned to adulthood. And now I, what I think is more of my more successful phase in life. And I, I do Superman pose all the fucking time. I, I, I don't know when that switch happened, but I, I've been called out for it too. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? Superman? It's like, no, but I feel good. You know, and I'm gonna stand like this. You know, and I, yeah, I, I've been watching you work. Yeah, hell yeah. I knew from the moment I met you. I'm like, oh, this guy runs bars. He doesn't like. You're not a like. You come in and you're like, yep, because it's it, you just put out that persona, not in a douchey way, but in a very like, I'm confident as fuck. What? What do you got? I'm yeah. confident as fuck. I know what I'm doing. I'm confident in myself, your own abilities, and whether you're not, you might not believe it. But the persona you put out to me and Tyler was like, oh, this guy, this guy rock. He runs shit. He's ready to run shit. Which is like, that's what I want. I want cool. people around me in my life like that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. See, so number two off the bat, I completely fucking agree with this one. Uh, it, it can do nothing but benefit you. Uh, even correct posture is, is better for blood circulation and, 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 and everything. Uh, so this one, uh, two thumbs up. Fucking love it. The third one. And this is probably my favorite one thus far because I am notorious for this. Pretend you know the answer. A 2012 study published in the quarterly journal Experimental Psychology found that expecting to know correct answers can actually improve our test-taking abilities. Psychologists asked two groups of participants to answer a set of questions on the computer. One group was told the answer would briefly flash on their screens before each question. Too quickly, too quickly for them to read the answer, but supposedly slow enough for their subconscious to register it. In reality, the flashing answers were random series of letters and numbers. Meanwhile, the other group was told the flashing screen simply signaled to the next question. In the end, the group that thought they were seeing the answers got most of the questions right. I've actually seen this study happen uh, on one of my uh, other YouTube channels, and it is incredible how you can convince people that they are seeing the right answer when, in fact, it was a bunch of gibberish. And just that confidence in, I, I, I know what I saw, I, I know what's going on, makes, makes it happen. As a bartender, and I, I know as a chef, You've been asked questions by people work, working with you or, or uh, customers to you. Uh, sometimes simple questions that you, I know if you dug down, you do know the answers, but questions that in the moment off the top of your head, you do not know. Do you fake it? Fuck yes. <laughs> oh my God, yes. I, I'm a 26 year old head chef. I have to fake it. I am not, I'm young to be doing this. Yeah. I'm opening a, I opened a restaurant like, Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> like every day, like my cooks look at me, like they think I can do no wrong. Like, you know, I know the answer for everything. Yeah. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yep. That's why. That, <laughs> like, why does that happen, chef? Oh, because this is why. And they're like, really? I'm like, uh-huh. Yep. 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 <laughs> sure. sure. Yep. <laughs> Did it work? Yes. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. I have like, I have to, I like, I have to do that. Cause I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know everything. But like, I definitely in my mind have to be like, in front of my guys and cust especially customers. Yep, I a hundred percent can do that for you. Yeah, yeah. Can you uh, do that? Yeah, sure, sure. No, uh, especially <laughs> especially in front of customers, uh, it's very important. Uh, 
because for me they they are they're 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 the ones giving me the money so although the drinks and the food all look spectacular they're the ones giving the money so i always have to have that without being arrogant kind of knowledge or or answers to their questions you know as long as it's not a life-threatening allergy which is usually the (laughs) only thing i kind of like i'm gonna go ask my chef hold on (laughs) but usually anything other than that like uh, yeah, I, 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 with complete 100% confidence, give out an answer, spread out an answer. Uh, training a training a a a a, a coworker to for to be a bartender for the first time, uh, just like you, I get all those looks and questions. You know, hey, hey what's this? And it's just like half. Yeah, I, 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 I told her straight to her face. Hey, you just gotta fake it. You gotta bullshit yourself through this. You know how to make every drink and just fucking do it. If it doesn't yeah. taste right, you do it again. Boom, done. So I, I, I love this one because pretending you know the answer is the only advice I've given anyone I've ever worked with, really. It's just, hey, bartending is fucking faking it. You just, you just pretend that you know what you're doing and people will believe you. So yeah, from and you believe yourself a little bit, I yes. think, in that. Hell yeah. You start to, and we're going to get, I have a whole other uh, uh, article about this, but that mental that mental picturing that you do, that mental world that you put yourself in, you start to make it a reality. And it starts with pretending you know the answer. Uh, so excellent, I agree with that 100%. Uh, number four, I believe we already just said this, but I think it's still important to kind of recap real quickly, especially because I need to tell you why science determined it so. But uh, number four is dress for the job you want. Now, you just said that. Researchers at Northwestern University Kellogg School of Management found that wearing particular clothes associated with certain positive qualities helped improve the wearer's performance. In a 2012 study, individuals were instructed to don white coats described as either lab coats, the kind that worn by doctors and scientists, or artistic painter coats, which are actually identical to lab coats while they performed the task that they were doing in order to demonstrate that their coat had actually been worn to make a difference. The third group were merely shown in a lab coat before being asked to perform the task. So you have two groups of people wearing the same exact identical coat. One of them told this is an artist's coat. Other one told this is a doctor's coat. Which group do you think performed the task better? Doctor coat. Fuck yeah, you're a doctor, fuck yeah. Uh, Dr. Coates, uh, Dr. Coates performed well above um, the, the, the artistic coat and which is borderline the same as when you were just told to wear the white coat by itself. So dressing, dressing to make it happen. Now, I, I do believe uh, in, in, the, in the restaurant industry, like you said it yourself, a clean chef's jacket is like fresh, clean sex. It, you, it, I think a well-dressed chef is the most fucking commanding presence in the kitchen. First of all, because you can always spot them. <laughs> and second yeah. of all, they demand that, that, that look demands that respect and attention. Uh, so can you, yeah, just real quickly again, like. Uh, yeah, like a hundred, like, I mean, to the day, like from the day I started in this industry, like I remember the day I put on my first chef coat. Do you and it just changed me. Like it just, it felt 
I was like, oh, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, I loved cooking before that. And I worked at restaurants where we didn't wear chef coats. Only the head chef wore a chef coat. But I remember the day they gave me my first one, and it had, like, a, the, the company's name on it. And I put it on, and I was like, I want to chase this fucking feeling for the rest of my life. And, you know, even my sous chef, Greg, uh, our kitchen, as you know, is very hot. And a lot of it, like, it's not hot where you don't want to wear a coat. You don't. And my two line cooks don't. But Greg sees me put one on. He started, when I promoted him, he started wearing his. I'm like, you don't have to wear yours if you want to. He's like, no, I want to. Because he's like, now people know I'm the fucking sushi. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And and it is a thing when you go up there and you, people see you in your coat. I go to the dining room. People know who I am. And it, it's like an ego thing for sure. 100% an ego thing. But it's like, I earned this shit, motherfucker. I don't have to wear a fucking <laughs> t-shirt anymore. I worked my ass off for years for free for people. And I earned this fucking coat. And it like it like it's part of my it's like uh it's my uh it's my superman outfit yeah you know and when people see me in my day-to-day clothes it's great but like i always tell people like i can't pick up a girl out in public but if she comes to the restaurant and i'm in my chef coat i'm like god damn i look good <laughs> who doesn't want to take me home like i look sexy as fuck i can uh, attest to that uh uh you you and greg both look fucking phenomenal uh shout out to greg uh, Shout out to Greg. I hope he's listening. I love you, baby. Um, yeah, it's it's your uniform. Um, it's and it's it's your suit. It's your armor. You know. Yeah. It goes with cops, with military, with anyone who puts on a uniform that they're proud of. That is their confidence boost. Uh, fucking excellent. Love it. Dress for the job you want. Uh, number five. Now. This 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 does hit me on a couple different levels because uh, I grew up in, um, yeah, as I'm sure you already know, the early 2000s, where new metal was a thing, and yes. kind of breaking out into the topic of new metal. Number five, listen to happy music. When you're in a funk, probably the last thing you want to do is turn on some Pharrell. But recent research found that forcing yourself to listen to happy music and consciously trying to become happier can actually lift your mood. In a 2012 study, 2012, a good fucking year for studies apparently, in a 2012 study published in the Journal of Positive Psychology, that sounds like a fun book, 167 college students were asked to listen to 12 minutes of happy music. One group was told, to try and actively boost their mood while listening. The second group was instructed to listen without trying to alter their mood. The first group reported much higher levels of positive mood after listening. Now, I, 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 coming from pure experience right now, I, I, I told you this before, I'm a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. I, I grew up a younger age with grunge and industrial that turned into like new metal, a little bit of slipknot in there. There's a lot of angry ideology flustering in that world and in that universe. Uh, that that can, I feel like, take a hold of you at some point, especially Nine Inch Nails. That's some dark stuff in their earlier years. Uh, <clears throat> turning up to me now, today, I listen to The Grateful Dead usually on the way to work. And I'm in a different fucking mood on my way in. How about you? What what experiences do you have? So I'm I am a huge music person. Uh, it goes, I feel like it goes with cooking 100. Hell yeah. Um, and 
so I'm weird and I get shit from my guys for this all the time. I love uh, <laughs> country music. I love, but not like like an old school outlaw, Johnny Cash, Conway Twitty, uh, Glenn Campbell. Like that's what I love to listen to. It's like, and it is very depressing. And I, I was a big <laughs> punk, big punk music kid, younger. I mean, punk for me, not punk for you. So like punk for me was like a day to remember, rise against, uh, you know, I was a big <laughs> Hollywood undead guy. So basically everybody that you liked influenced my music. Um, so, I mean, I definitely for sure will play sad music. And like, for me, it doesn't, it, it seems like, it seemed like it was working, right? But then just recently with the positivity of the restaurant and everything, I've caught myself not wanting to listen to sad music. And I kind of started going back to my hip hop music days where I'm like, like this just, the music just brings me down. I'm just like, ah. So I've been lately listening <laughs> to like more positive. Uh, like I love the chef soundtrack from the movie Chef. A yeah. lot of Latin and yeah. and like you can't not be creative if you're listening to fucking, you know, like like post Malone gets me going, man. I'm like, hell yeah, like <laughs> I am fucking driving around with white Iversons, fucking getting getting hard. And no, I do think there's a thing for that, but I also think that I can also listen to sad music when I'm depressed and it kind of makes me be like, it's not that bad. Right? Yeah. It's a it's a it's all in your mood, I think, at the time. Like I despise drinking the happy music. I despise it. I'm like, this is pointless. Because if I'm drinking, I want to feel something. And like, I don't want to feel happy really, but I don't want to feel sad. You want to get that weird. There's a I think there's a beautiful level of like depressed and like happy that you have to find. And uh, no, but I do think like if I blared like nine inch nails during dinner service, I don't yeah. think anyone's gonna be like, woo! Yeah. But if I put on like, you know, fucking post Malone, you can't help but be like, fuck yeah, I got this. <laughs> but no, there's some there's definitely some truth to that for sure. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I mean uh, to, to see now where I, I kind of do hit hit a roadblock there is now that I'm in now that some of the new metal I'm as I mentioned earlier has now entered the nostalgia realm. I can yes. listen to it now and get pumped up. Like some slipknot does pump me the fuck up. As he sings he wants to slit your throat and fuck the wound. I'm like, yeah, I want I can do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and that goes for like Linkin Park, you know, even though some of those lyrics are extremely dark and depressing, especially after our Lord uh, has, has passed away. But uh, I can listen to it now and act, I actually get, get, get pumped up and I, I, I can get excited. So I do see how I think if it's contemporary music in, into, your, into your library at that time, how yes, if, if you keep listening to dark, sad music, it can definitely influence your mood. But I totally agree with <clears throat> listening to lighthearted music uh, to boost you up. And, I, and I'll say this every day till I, till I die. I have, a, I have like a 40 minute drive into work and it's always, if it's not a podcast, it's always happy, relaxing, chill fucking music all the way through those hills and through the clouds until yeah. I fucking get there. And I'm like, I'm already, I'm here. I'm ready to go. So, yeah, and I what you said with like the 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 nostalgia, I agree with because creatively, I have three songs I listen to when I need to be creative, and the number one one where I'm the most creative is Eminem. Uh, uh, is cleaning out my closets? Yeah, hell yeah. And it's the most dark, fucked up song <laughs> that you can listen to. Well, for some reason, maybe it's my mommy issues or whatever. It gets me super like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, you feel that, you get that, and it just gets me going, and I don't know why. But well, I get—I think it is a nostalgia thing. It reminds me of me hanging out with my brothers 
and my friends in high school. And I'm just like happy. I'm just like, yeah, it's a horrible song to listen to if you're trying to get pumped up. But <laughs> it does have a, a nostalgia thing for me, which reminds which makes me happy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, and I, 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 just, uh, just uh, to, to boost Eminem's ego real quick, that I'm sure that he fucking needs I'm it. sure he's hurting for he's, our, our respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... he's <laughs> He's a very talented writer. So being able to even listen to some of his darker stuff, you're like, wow, the thought and, and work he put into this is enough to pump me up because some people- Yeah, and I think listening you know, to a creative person makes you want to be more creative in general. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So yeah, that so there's a little bit of spreading through the creativity uh, verse right there. And there's also the power of, of just the positive feelings that it puts you in. And it's all about how it makes you feel. And if it's a positive feeling, it's good. You know, who's to say it's wrong? Ah, so that was number five. And uh, yeah, so that, 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 um, I'm 75% on board with that one. Uh, it can be Same. a beautiful thing. Uh, but it also, it depends on your history of music and where you're at in your life too. Exactly. So number six, and I, I, I wanted to ask you this, uh, with the chef jacket question. So I'm happy it popped up on the list. Uh, mimic good leaders uh real real quick with me i've worked in many restaurants and i remember the first chef that i followed i everything from the, his suit to, to to his shirt to how clean he was to how he wore his hat every he was right out of the military so he was like all fucking done to the fucking team. yeah uh but still i remember that power it had over me. And I, I, I tried to mimic how he held his knife and, and cut his, his, his vegetables and shit. Uh, mimic good leaders say that you've just been promoted to a position with the job requirements that are outside of your skill set. New research, Every day. <laughs> new research shows the best thing you can do is mimic someone else around you who displays the required skill sets. Who, who did you mimic? Who did you find? Who did you see? So on a more per on a personal level in my career, uh, there was a chef. Shout out to Steve Franks, uh, executive chef and owner of the Brewster in Kesnovia. Uh, he was my first like chef chef that I, I met him when I was like fourteen. I used to wash dishes for him. Mm-hmm. Went on to other places. Came back when I was eighteen to work for him. And he is to this day, uh, I think the reason my staff likes me so much <laughs> and respects me uh, because of him. And I tell him this all the time, and he'll he'll probably be like, I, you know, he probably hates me still, but because uh, <laughs> he's my mentor, um, uh, he just he cared about us uh, and taught me as much as him and this other chef Sean Fletcher. But he cared about me in a way that uh, he taught me a lot about cooking, but he also taught me a lot about life and being a, being a man, being a young man growing up. Um, even when I left and moved to Austin and worked for other chefs, he was a constant phone call, text message, I have a question, I need this. But he is one of those few men that I've met in this industry that cares, just cares about his staff and like wants to see you grow. Got to the point where I was working for them, making very good money at a young age. And I had this opportunity in Austin and I sat him, I sat down with him and I said, what should I do? And he was like, go. He said, cause I can't show you what you want anymore. You're ready to go, it's time to go. And it was, that's the really, I've worked for chefs that have been like, that I knew that I should have left. And they were like, no, you're not ready. And then he was like, oh, you're not ready, but you need to go do this. You need to go fail if you need to fail and you need to grow. And I remember when I was doing quite well in Austin, I called him and I said, thank you. It's all because of you. He was no, it's not. He's like, it was all you. He's like, I just helped you get there. And he gave me so much advice, especially about faking till you make it. 
of being like, you're never going to be ready for what you think it's going to happen. You're never going to be good enough. You're in, yes, in your mind. Yeah. But you just like go at it. And this guy is the king of going at it. He's super gifted. But he also taught me about like, you know, filling up your staff's car at the end of the week. Throw your guys 20 bucks each. Buy everybody a six pack. That is the persona. And being like, yeah. being just like going in and being like, I got this. Cause like people look at you and like people like, I tell you what, the menu that we have and the reason the restaurant I think is partially successful is I went to him when I was coming up with the menu and the concept and what I wanted to do. And he's a busy guy. And like that's a mentor. And that's the mentor I would want to be is I want my guy, you know, I want my guys to leave, but I want them to always be like, I can call you whenever. And like I know I can call him whenever. And like, yeah, I think if you want to be good, find someone like there's a great quote. If you want to be the best chef, go work for the best chefs. If you want to be the best like you yeah, can't go work yeah, at fucking yeah, denny's yeah. and be like i'm gonna be great you got to go work for people and like sometimes that meant working for free and uh yeah no a hundred percent like i i i would say i would like to pretend i'm there's a joke running around that with my roommate who works for him now is like i i mirror him like they're like i say a little i very much try to be that man to an extent and uh yeah no 100 percent agree with that 100 percent. hey fucking a man yeah no, um, the, the first chef that I followed, his name was Chef Tim as well. Uh, and and it, it was it was just, again, how he held himself, how he communicated what he needed done, how he was able to have the fires of hell behind his eyes, but at the same time, love you. It was like, it was like, <clears throat> it was intense. It was amazing. It, it was, it's for all going to be scarred in my head. Uh, I, I no longer have a way to get a hold of him, and I, I, I shame myself for that. But uh, I, I know he's out there, and I know he's still doing his thing. So uh, thank you, Chef Tim, and uh, and thank you, Chef Tim. See, boom, look at that, full circle. Uh, there's a there's a quick uh, uh, quote here. Uh, By viewing ourselves as working in progress, we multiply our capacity to learn, avoid being pigeonholed, and ultimately become better leaders. We're never too experienced to fake it until we make it. And that fucking excellent way to finish off that idea. Agreed. Uh, so the next couple ones are, uh, they, they, they dive more into, um, I, 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 I think repeat uh, quotes, uh, like, like, like uh, pretending to be romantically uh, uh, interested in somebody, um, fake confidence to gain influence. These are, I think, more manipulative kind of actions that I, I'm sure I'm going to dive into in, in, in future talks, but I, I'm going to skip them for now. But I'm still going to uh, point everyone to this article at mentalfloss.com, eight fake it till you make it strategies backed by science by Amanda McCordale. <laughs> sorry amanda but close uh, enough, hey, close enough. Mc, mcdoodledale yeah okay, great uh great job thank you for that uh, i kind of want to switch gears a little bit because in uh in in researching fake it till you make it uh i found as well as the internet always delivers a lot of positives and a lot of negatives and it's kind of funny where the negatives come from the first ban of why fake it till you make it is a bad idea. The first whole page of uh, Bing articles or Google articles that pop up are usually from people who are trying to sell you something. 
a lot of self-help uh, authors, a lot of uh, motivational speakers stray away from fake it till you make it and push that push you more into their program or more or less what what idea that they want you to buy from them. Uh, uh, one of the articles I found was in Time Time Magazine, why fake it till you make it is terrible advice. And this this I think encapsulates a whole kind of different philosophy into it. Uh, without reading uh, too much of it, I just kind of want to find uh, where I left off reading it. So um, it's it's about a female uh, a worker who graduated college and kind of faked it and made it into a male-dominated industry. And being a female, uh, fake it to make it uh, in, in a male-driven world, I think can have uh, different consequences and outcomes. Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of this real quickly. I am hardly the only person who has tried this approach to no avail. Sociologists and psychologists have found this exact type of posturing in women, mathematics, and women and minorities in the workplace in and in one other paper on authenticity, my colleagues and I have noticed that while it does provide some temporary respite, that is fake it till you make it, being inauthentic has negative effects on your perceptions and performance in the long term. This negative side certainly held true for me. Overwhelmingly, when I acted like a man or how I thought a man would act, I got pushback. People saw me as aggressive. I felt superficial. I came across as inauthentic. And I was getting that sort of support or social acceptance that my elite breast male peers were. Now, I can't speak from a, a female perspective at all, but I have gotten pushback before um, for my attitude in, in acting a certain way, uh, especially in an industry that I do not belong in, like uh, 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 Home Depot, for example. Although I am in sales and I do talk to people, I cannot fake it and make it when I'm talking about wood or lumber or, or what concrete to use. And that kind of, yeah, let me fake the answer. I've gotten severe blowback from contractors who are like, the fuck? So yeah. in, in, in your experience, what blowback have you gotten if you've gotten any? Uh, yeah, I definitely have. Uh, you know, uh, so a big thing was, you know, I hate to bring up the industry, but like that's my go-to for everything. So, <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. for people that are not food people that are like, oh my god, he won't stop talking about the industry. Um, <laughs> but I, when I started out cooking, I wanted to work as gastronomy cooking. Yes, which is like very scientifically. Yeah, cool, cool, and cool. <laughs> that is not me. That is, I am not that kind of chef. I do not have the patience for it. I do not have the. Sci I am not science. a <laughs> sciencey guy. I am not. I am not a recipe cook. I am not like biting. I am very like fuck the recipe. Let's just fucking throw shit in the bowl, <laughs> and see what happens, and blare music, and that's that's me. But oh, I went good. and tried to work at a restaurant like that in Austin, and I went in there. Also, I had that twenty-two-year-old kind of like I'm amazing attitude. The arrogance. Yes. Uh, uh, arrogance and confidence are on a dangerous road. And I went in there and I was like, I'm the shit. I'm the fucking shit. Everybody look at me. I'm a hot <laughs> shit. I can do this. I can do this. And I could not fucking do it. I could not do anything right. And I was lying to the chef. I was lying to the other cooks. 
And I was lying to myself. And I was like, I can do this. I'm amazing. And I was faking it and I was faking it. And all I was doing was one, I wasted time trying to be someone that I was not, which I'm not that kind of chef. As much as I wanted to be, that's not who I am. So knowing that where you are, but yeah, you, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And like acting like you know what you're doing is like, there is truth to fake it till you make it. But like, I'm bad with money, like the business side of cooking, 100%. So when I got with Tyler, I told him straight up, I'm like, dude, I'm bad with the money side. And like, I wasn't going to lie to him and be like, I can do all the money. And the, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm bad at that. <laughs> yes. So why embarrass myself? So there is some truth to being like, you don't know. And I'm a firm believer now that I'm older, not that like getting older, is there's a little bit of you have to know when to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Help me. Yes. And especially yes. as, a, as, a, as a chef mentor now, I'm really bad at letting people do their job. I'm always like, I want to be involved in touching it and just stand there and watch me do it. And I've learned, I have great friends that are in the industry that I've called and talked to about it. And they're like, okay, I'm nervous. I don't know what I'm doing. Like step back and let them do it. And like, let yourself learn. So like, I tell my guys, I'm learning at the same time you are, but I'm not going to lie to like, my guys think that I told them, like, if you guys think I don't make mistakes here, you're fucking crazy. I make mistakes all the time. And I think when you show people that you do make mistakes, especially that work under you, they respect you more and they realize that it's, you're human. And yeah, there is some truth to being like, I don't know what I like, don't fake it. There, you have to know when to fake it. Yeah. And there is time to be like, I'm, you know, I'm not that guy. I, I, for a long time, I always wanted to be like the cool, calm chef that doesn't yell and is gentle and cool and collective <laughs> and sexy. And I'm not him. I'm fucking sweating. I'm stressing. And I'm like, panic attack, panic attack, panic attack. But that's me. And like, I'm not going to fake it anymore. I'm not going to act like I'm like, I'm Mr. Confident. I tell customers, people are like, oh, that dish is amazing. Did you like, did it just come easy? You know, I'm like, fuck no, man. I was fucking <laughs> freaking out the whole fucking time I made this dish. And like, yeah, there is like, you. it's okay to not, to not fake it. But I get where she's saying, because when you lie, when you lie to yourself and you lie to people and they see it, they lose all respect for you. Yeah. And I think it'd be, it's so much easier just to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yep. I don't know yep. what I'm doing. And, and, own it, and own that though. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's hard. Cause again, there, there, there has to be some kind of maturity level there for you to understand that you need to ask for help and when to ask for help. It's like timing the stock market. It's, it's almost impossible, but if you're honest with yourself and you show that vulnerability, people instantly connect to that because you are human. Yeah. You just said that like <clears throat> that, that is, I think one of the fundamental levels that, that humans connect with each other on when they see that, Hey, we both have the same thickness and the same skin. Uh, and yeah, you don't want your doctor faking it till he makes it or she makes it, you know, you kind of want them to know what they're doing yeah. when they're sticking their fingers yeah. around in you. <laughs> so yes, uh, there, there, uh, there clearly is a time and place when, when, when it's necessary to, to not fake it. And uh, I, I think that's, that's a fucking in, an important point to make. And I, I did want to bring up this article from uh, Time Magazine because it was a female perspective. And especially in, in, in a corporate uh, male-driven world, that has got to be some of the hardest fucking boundaries to break through. And uh, just fucking power to that. Uh, but you know, keep on trugging forward. I wanted to bring up another kind of... Um, uh, 
a branch into the whole fake it till you make it. Cause I was, I was a little drunk last night. So I apologize a little high, but um, <laughs> I, I, I got that, like that, that weed. I was like, wait, yeah. And this is how I kind of got the science in my head. So I apologize for how backwards this sounds. Cause I am not a scientist uh, disclaimer real quick. I'm not a scientist <laughs> or a doctor. Uh, but uh, so when the act of thinking is uh, electrochemicals in your brain getting fired from one synapse to another synapse. And that firing along your, the, is along these pathways that are made in your brain from neuron to neuron. Now, what a memory is, is that electric signal going, going from point A to point B uh, very easily. The more you think of something, the stronger a pathway becomes until it becomes second nature, kind of like, uh, uh, using your hands or, or walking or riding a bike or listening or talking. These, these activities become easier and easier and easier because you do them repetitively in your brain. So I was thinking with the positive reinforcement and believing and like, imagining your act, you doing something like you cooking a, a, uh, a very hard to cook dish, you doing it in your head over and over and over again actually cements those pathways into your brain, which makes the act seem more authentic to yourself and makes it easier for you to perform. I have experienced, I have experienced this firsthand, uh, riding bicycles growing up. Uh, I was really in the BMX and, you know, I had three brothers, so we were always trying to one up each other and the jumps got bigger and bigger and bigger until one day they were fucking like 15 feet apart. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I've never done a 15 foot jump, but for like a whole summer, I visualized myself doing it. And God damn it, Tim, when August 24th came and I hit that jump and flew off into the air, I somehow, by the grace of God, held on to the handlebars, planted the landing and swooped in to almost hit the next jump. The point is, I didn't bail. I didn't fly off. I made it. And I believe to this day that I made it before I even attempted it. And I think that's how the science of fake it till you make it works. If you can visualize it and run through your head and, and make it more clear, I do think that is that is half the battle. The journey begins. The more you use those pathways, the stronger they become. The stronger those pathways become, the easier it is to travel them. Fuck yeah. Have, have, have you ever had experience like that where you've, you've visualized something to a point where the first time you attempted it, it actually worked? Like, like, any uh, yeah. Uh, so again, fucking back to the industry. Uh, it's all right though. That's where we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so I have. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah. So like, uh, especially like, uh, I did, uh, this crunch bar dessert. Yes. Uh, a few weeks ago at the, or like three weeks ago at the restaurant. And uh, I'm not a pastry chef by any means, uh, you know, and I was like, I want to do this. And the idea kind of came to me one night, uh, just trying to kind of chilling. Uh, and uh, I was just like, I think I can do this. And uh, I went into the restaurant and, uh, you know, I just started working on it. And uh, it just like, it just, it, I was like, it's not going to work. And then I stopped myself and I go, fuck it. It's going to work. Like it's gonna, it's just all gonna come together and it's gonna be delicious. It's gonna look really pretty. And as, as as I started going it, like I baked the the crunch bar, 
And like that worked. So I was like, okay, we're, we're there. All right. Now it's the next component. And then the next one, and they were all working. They weren't, they weren't, nothing was breaking. Nothing was tasted bad. And then I put it all together and I was like, oh shit. Like I did it. And it was all because I was like, I can do this. And like, uh, you know, last week we got hit really hard and my guys were going down and I had that thought in my head. I'm like, they're going to go down and it's going to be a shit show and everything is ruined and I'm a failure. And this doesn't work. I'm going to, I should just quit cooking because it's a busy night and everything's going to be wrong. And then I had to like, kind of, I went into walking and I was like, stop it. I just yelled, I was like, stop. We like, they got it. Like believe in them and it'll work. And I think, I, don't, I didn't even say I believed in them, but I think they could tell that I was like, I trust you. Trust all of you guys. Yeah. We're going to get through this. Oh, yeah. And it was a great service. One of the busiest services we've ever had. And my guys did it. And we did it. And I was like, we did it. And it's like, you have to, like, if you doubt yourself, like, you know, I have relationships. If you go into a relationship and you're like, she's going to leave me. She's going to cheat on me. You she's going to leave me. Yeah. She's going to do it because you're putting it in the universe. Yeah. And I put Fuck it in the yeah. universe. When I moved back from Texas, I had nothing. You know, I had gotten out of a very bad relationship. Everything was, I had no money. I was like, this is over. It's all done. And I got back and I was like, I'm going to have a head chef job. And I didn't even know about Hugo's. I had no idea about it. I was like, I'm going to have, I said, I'm going to be a head chef by the end of the summer of this year. And I got it in the winter. But I put it out there and I was just like, I deserve it. I'm ready. I'm fucking ready for this. I've worked my ass off. I'm ready. I deserve it. And it doesn't mean I'm not nervous all the time, but I deserve it. And I got it. And I got it. And like, there's some truth to that. But I also tell people, be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you put out of the universe. Because if you if you put out that you you want all this success, <laughs> be ready for it. Yeah. Be ready for the success. And be, be are you mentally ready to handle it? And you have to, yeah, I have a hundred. Like, dude, do you think it? You could think it, want to do it, man. Brian yeah. Giffen, Family Guy. Yeah. Think it, want to do it, man. You, if you do think it and you do want it, like if I like, you know, I look at a girl that I'm interested in, I go, I want that one. I'm I'm gonna get it. You know, I want her. I've seen it. I'm gonna get it. her. I've seen it happen. You, you know, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are pretty to that. But yeah, like if I like, you know, I shout out to Jess. Jess, yeah, Jess. amazing. Love, love her face. Um, yeah, you know, I you, you go after it. Go after what you want. But yeah, you gotta want it. If you and I, I I'm a firm believer in. My dad, when I was coming up in the industry, when I told him I was moving to Austin, he was like, why? I'm like, I have to, I have to go work in a, like, to me, a big city and go work with like chefs that I know I'm not able to go to. And my dad was like, do you have a backup plan if it doesn't work out? I know. And I was like, no. No. And he was like, good. He goes, now I know you want it. Yeah. Because if I went out there and I was like, well, if it doesn't work out, I guess I'll just, you know, whatever, come home. I, coming home was not an option. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it in the city. I don't care if I, and, and I make it for me was just hold a job. It wasn't yeah. like to get famous. It was just to hold yeah, a goddamn job exactly. yep. with chefs that were phenomenally way better than me. I not only put that out there, but then I worked my way up from a line cook to junior Sue to eventually being the CDC of this place. And I put it out. I was like, I want this. And like at 23 years old, I was a CDC in a restaurant in Austin that was best in a restaurant in Austin. Like, what? Now, not because I was talented, <laughs> not because I was gifted, because I made sure the owner and the head chef and the other sous chef yeah. and all the line cooks knew. Yeah. I, dude, you, you come in, you come in at noon. That's cute. I've been here since six. I didn't punch in yet either. 
I'll wash dishes. I want it way. I want it way more than yeah. you. You might okay. be better than me. You might be smarter than me. But I told my brain, I'm getting this. I'm gonna have it, and there's nothing's gonna come in between that. And there's yeah. no backup plan. You can't like if you want something. If you have a backup plan, you don't want it that bad. Nope. Nope. I, I you know I completely agree with you. Uh, my my parents most of of my adult life always tried to have me like with two backup plans in case something failed. And I, I, I have hardly put together a plan in the first place. Uh, but like when, when, when coming into becoming a bartender, I, I was, a I was in the, I was in the, the I, I told you this before. I, I told this story plenty of times before, but um, I was in the back of the house. Well, much longer than I was in the front of the house. I went to culinary school uh, when, when he, when I kept taking the next steps to the next part, uh, and eventually had the opportunity to, to become a bartender, I was in, completely intimidated by it. And I kind of held off for like a good year. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I should do it. And the, the manager at that restaurant saw, I wasn't sure about myself and never offered me the position after that conversation, even though I brought it up multiple times after that, I never showed the hundred percent enthusiasm that I can accomplish this. And when I got another job, I went in there blinded, never working in a bar before, but convinced that guy that I was a bartender and I could work that bar. And I got the job as a bartender. I had to learn from scratch, but Hey, I fucking faked it and I kind of made it. So, and here we are, here we are both working at, I think a really fucking amazing, successful restaurant. Uh, Hugo's Alpine, Tully, New York. Come check us out. I'm behind Please the bar. Do. Fucking Tim's behind the uh, other bar. And and we're making, <laughs> making dreams come true, honestly. One dish and one drink at a time. Uh, I, I just want to, I want to thank you, Tim, for having this conversation with me. Uh, I feel fucking a million times better than how I felt this morning. And the, 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 the most uh, biggest part of this show is to bring a positive message and learn about yourself and move it forward to better ourselves for tomorrow, not in a egotistical bullshit drawn out way, but in a, in a genuine, uh, natural way. And we do that through education. And, uh, I, I, I do think understanding the fake it till you make it science of when to do it and when not to do it makes it work. And uh, I just want to uh, thank you again for taking your time and uh, and having. No, thank time. you. I really appreciate it. And uh, you know, it's, it's an honor. It's an honor, sir, to be <laughs> to be to be one of your guests. You know, Joe Rogan Hill. That's what I say. You know, Joe Rogan Hill. <laughs> Tim, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you on in the future again. We're gonna get into some more uh, deeper, darker topics that I I, I know love you, that. I know you're gonna want to jump into. I just I had to grab you for this topic because I saw you, I saw you do all these acts and, and, and perform the way that, that I, I already read these articles. So, uh, Tim, again, thank you. Everyone, thank, thank you, you so much. Uh, please shoot me emails for any questions, comments, concerns at afthepodcast at gmail.com. I love to hear from you all. And I will see you guys on Instagram and uh, Patreon coming soon. So, uh, Ooh, and, and Tim, fancy. you can take part in the Patreon. Uh, I would love you know, to. Uh, we're, we're looking for uh, donations. Uh, this podcast is not free. Uh, for me to produce uh, takes up my time uh, and uh, some of my resources that I, I, I work fucking hard for so uh, uh, this this is all coming from my love and my passion to do this so uh, it's my goal to make it not cost me anything so thank you Tim I'll see you at work thank you I will right. see you in two days <laughs> <laughs>
Love you, brother. <laughs>